with Squavy. You're tuning in to the show that's probably growing on you episode by episode. But before we get into the breakdown of this show, I just want to tell everybody that either listened, shared, subscribed, left a comment, left a review. Hey, you're appreciated. I appreciate you, the listener. And before we get started, special shout out to our sponsors for this show at Real Ones Productions. Make sure you check out our website at realonesproductions.com. Shameless plug. I'm your host, Mo Vibes, and you are tuned into Fantasy Vibes on a late night like this. Early morning, early afternoon, late evening, whenever, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Last episode, we uh, started up some controversy by talking about Kyle Pitts versus the other tight ends that came before him. We talked about Miko Hartman and what his value is for the 2020 NFL season. We talked about Jameis Woodson being a starter that I'm sure ruffled some people the right way and the wrong way, too. <laughs> we talked about um, J.K. Dobbins. Is he going to be the workers back? We talked about some other things that probably have the chance to be wrong i said 90 percent at last episode but i'm just gonna say 85 percent. i'm gonna keep going down episode by episode <laughs> but the other 15 percent of the time though i'm gonna be right <laughs> why because i'm not an expert i'm an analyst <laughs> i'm your host moon and i fell in love with fantasy couple years ago and i decided to give my fantasy insight to the people last year by starting my show fantasy vibes and it's been a beautiful journey to say the least however we at that point now where it's time for the podcast to spread throughout the atmosphere so i'm gonna be giving y'all over the next eight months nothing but Fantasy insight from my perspective will make you aware of the bigger picture. That's the goal. Help you win your fantasy football championship, but put it to you in a unique, fun, transcendental way that can not only help you win, but help you think different. My goal is to help you think differently. Not the same as you came here and you listening to this podcast. The overarching goal for me is if I can get you to look at fantasy in a different way than you did before, that alone to me is a win. It don't matter how many bold takes that I give to you because <laughs> a lot of them are going to be wrong anyway. That's why you got to step out and stand on that ledge, fall on that sword. Why? Because you got to stay 10 toes down because your success in fantasy football is not going to be based on everything that you consume. It's going to be based on how well you consume this information and decipher it to figure out what is truth and what is the whole truth. On this episode, we got Moon's Mailbag. Going to get into some things I saw on Twitter that were very, very interesting. I'm going to give a shout out to the people that brought those topics up and conversations up. We also are going to get into factor fiction. I'm going to tell you about some of the uh, some of the players and the news and headlines that's going on, and I'm going to decipher whether it's fact or fiction. And we got the main entree. You got to stay stay tuned, stay in your seat for that one because you do not want to miss that part of the show. But coming up first, let me go ahead and get in my bag. So sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the show. 
It's time for Real Talk, presented by Real Ones Productions. I'm already coming for your jug. Quarterbacks that went ahead of this guy in PPR scoring in the 2020 season, and yes, I said quarterback, season totals, that went ahead of this guy, scored more points than he did. Teddy Bridgewater, Jared Goff, now in Detroit, Philip Rivers, Baker Mayfield, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr. <laughs> I'm extra. <laughs> Big Ben, who they was calling Mr. Noodle Arm Ben last year. <laughs> Matty Ice. That's my quarterback. Killer Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson, New Era 8. Justin Herbert, Ronnie Tannehill, aka Ryan Tanner, Daddy, Tom Brady, Sierra's husband, Patty Mahomes, <laughs> Josh, MVP Allen, as Buffalo Bills fans would say, and the real MVP and the real go, Aaron Rodgers. All of these quarterbacks went ahead of this guy. This could be finished QB 20 on the season last year. Did I mention that Carson Wentz was not that far off from catching this guy? Did I also mention that Drew Brees, that's no longer in the league, is actually finished one point behind this guy <laughs> in scoring last year with 255 points? So that means that this guy I'm talking about had 256 points on the season. This guy had eight touchdowns passing. Be like, eight? Yeah. 10 interceptions. There's people that threw more interceptions than him. You want me to go down the list? Josh Allen threw t uh, 10 interceptions. <laughs> Russell Wilson threw 13. Colin Murray threw 12. So did Tom Brady. Herbert threw 10. Kirk Cousins threw 13. Matty Ice threw 11. Ben Roethlisberger even threw 10. Matt Stafford threw for 10. Philip Rivers to 11, Jared Goff through 13, and then Teddy Bridgewater had 11 too. Then you got the Carson Wentz who had 15, Drew Locke who had 15. And if you want to go even more in depth, Sam Darnold had 11 and Nick Mullins had 11. But it's not really the interception numbers that really bother me. It's the fact that this guy only had eight touchdowns. In fact, if we really want to be keeping a book, Dak Prescott who left the season early because of injury, actually finished with one more touchdown than the guy that I'm talking about. Yes, that's crazy. Dak had nine. Even Tua. <laughs> Torrential downpour Tua. Throwing 100 picks in practice Tua. But they don't want to talk about him, what he did the next day Tua. Yes, that one. Mr. Tagovailoa. He had 11 touchdowns last year. And then when you talk about QBs, I'm like, okay, well, it's not always about touchdowns. It's not even always about completion percentage, but I'm going to get to completion percentage in a second. To me, my most important stats for a QB are C-A-Y, completed air yards, and also red zone attempts. Because to me, those are the stats that stick out to me the most. They are directly reflective of what your PPR scoring is going to be for a quarterback. 
completed air yards, the number of yards that the ball travels in the year on the completion. You can catch the rest. And then red zone attempts. How many times inside the 20-yard line is a quarterback taking passes, completing passes? And how many of those are converting into touchdowns? Those are the two most important stats to me outside of touchdowns and outside of maybe big-time throw rate you can put up there. Those are the things that stick out to me. You want, you want even more of a, a, a wow? Mitch Trubisky last year had 16 touchdowns and eight picks. That's crazy, bro. Even the guy that had to fill in for Dak Prescott and Big D, a.k.a. the Cowboys, who, to me, really ain't America's team. <laughs> it's the Tampa Bay Bucks now. <laughs> Wherever Tom Brady goes, it's America's team. <laughs> That's where Fox want to be every week. Andy Dalton had 14 touchdowns and eight picks last year. Let that sink in. So it's like, wow, this guy that I'm talking about, you're like, who are you, who are you glinting at right now, Moon Vibes? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about a guy that we need to put our respect on and really change our perspective on. And it's going to be my job to make you think different about this guy in this episode of Real Talk. 2011, 60% completion percentage. 2012, 57.7. .7. 2013, 61.7. .7. 2015, 59.8. 2017, 59.1. 2018, 67.9. 2019, 56.2. All 15 games And he had a completion percentage of 65.8 Who am I talking about? I'm talking about a quarterback that threw for 2,655 yards last year With a 7.2 yards per attempt And really only had 8 touchdowns I'm really serious about that He got sacked 31 times Typical, actually 31 times is actually the second fewest in his career that he got sacked. Besides, if we're not take if we're taking out the 2019 season where he was he only played two games. His last games, he had a good performance where he finishes the number one player in all the fantasy in week 17, putting up 41 panic fantasy points. Where he went 21 to 30 for 70 percent completion. Yes, 70 percent. 242 for three tubs. Three tutties and a win against the New York Jets. Clap it up. Oh my gosh, it's the Jets. It's the Jets. <laughs> but we're not missing, I'm, we're not mentioning the fact that before that win, they had three straight losses. Who is the guy I'm talking about that has a 78 to 67 and one overall record as a starting quarterback in 156, 46 games? With a three and four record in seven games in the postseason. I'm talking about the guy that was drafted number one overall 
by the Carolina Panthers in 2011. Fresh out of Auburn, 6'5", 245, looking like a Greek god out there. Mr. Cameron Newing. I know Cam is inspirational to me just because I love how he, how he goes about being a dad approaching fatherhood. I love the fact that he is an alpha. I love the fact that he is unapologetically himself in all situations. I love the fact that he stays true to himself in all situations. I love the fact that he has drip and swag that just does not make sense. The man is a walking flood. <laughs> He's a walking tsunami. <laughs> you ever seen that movie Poseidon? The newer one? Not the older one. The newer one with that huge wave that flips the whole boat upside down and they got to climb all the way up to the bottom of the ship. Yes, the bottom of the ship because the boat flipped upside down <laughs> just to get saved just because they put out a, a, a flare at the right time. Yeah, that's Cameron Newton in Open Ocean because that man has that much drip. I'm talking about the hat god. <laughs> so much drip to make you want to slap yo mama. Hard. <laughs> Those are the things I like. The fact that he's just a dog. You know what I'm saying? Just a dog. Instant alpha. Inserted into your lineup. You know what I like about him as well? The fact that he actually has an offseason coming in this year. When he didn't have one last year. But I'll get to that in a second. The fact that it's his second year in a system that's very, very complex. Constantly changing, week to week, based on your opponent. Because the New England Patriots do it better than anybody, not only doing their job, but adjusting to their opponents. If you're horrible at running the, uh, stopping the run, they will run it 40 times down your throat. If you're bad at stopping the pass, they pass in the 40 times game. It doesn't matter. They're just trying to get a win. I think Bill Belichick hates losing more than he loves winning. So he decided to get a winner. A former BCS national champion winner. Former Heisman Trophy winner. Almost won a Super Bowl. Miraculous season that year. I said it before, but as a Falcons fan that year, for Cam, when he took on the Broncos in the Super Bowl, that year was such a magic carpet ride that as a Falcons fan, I... A lot of people want to admit that. I have no problem, no shame in my game. At the time, the Falcons was buns at the time. So we had to have something to root for. And I'm not going to go outside of the division. So, hey, Carolina right up the street. And Cam, we love Cam. Cam from Atlanta. So it's like I'm rooting for Atlanta. You feel me? You feel <laughs> But the things I do not like is the hate that this man is getting. I do not like the fact that people want to just shun him and act like he is just falling off of the fantasy football face of the earth, and he's on Mars somewhere. Hell, you might as well be on Pluto, the way we don't hear about Cam no more. That's totally missing the fact that he had offseason additions, including Nelson Aguilar, John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, just to name a few. Just to name a few. The defense is coming back, so the Patriots is going to be improved. 
It's not even talking about what they what they did in the draft, drafting Mac Jones. So as a veteran quarterback, you're going to have extra competition, and I don't think that dog is running away from that competition. But I saw something today that stimulated this whole real talk conversation, and I start to show off with this topic. Cam recently put out a video on his YouTube, shameless plug to his YouTube, Iconic Saga Productions. Great visuals, as always. Got to give them credit because they do a phenomenal job following Cam. In depth on who he is. Is all the way of who he is. I'm talking inside. Of a moving vehicle trajectory of his career. A couple of seasons ago, a game, home game against the Los Angeles Chargers. And I don't know if they were in Los Angeles at that point in time yet. He throws an interception to a player that is going to remain nameless. He proceeds to try to hawk that player down. And I don't know DK Metcalf chasing you from, I'm, I'm like 30, 40 yards behind. But he tries to call him down because as a quarterback, you want to be the guy that is tackling, especially after you threw the pick. Your teammates are going to respect you because you're fighting. You're not trying to let him score. But in him, in his defense, if you're a quarterback and or the QB coach or the head and you're the franchise quarterback, we don't want our quarterback taking any extra hits that he doesn't have to. We have to protect our investment, right? Cam proceeds to reach out to try to make a tackle. And his AC joint hasn't been the same since. Now, I can see, well, moon vibes. There's no excuses. If you're playing, then you're, you're, you're healthy. You're healthy enough to play. Either you're hurt or you're injured. <laughs> I get it. I, I get it. But this man is such a dog that he said, you know what? Even though I could truck you, <laughs> I'm just going to roll over. <laughs> I'm just going to roll over. This is what he said. I'm just going to roll over. And I take that extra hit because I ain't been the same since. It's never been. It hasn't been right since. So I proposed this question to him. After he made a statement that... You know, I might as well just go ahead and say now. Cam basically implied, and he said, he hasn't been healthy since about 2015, 2016. This is the first year that he's fully healthy. I had chills go down, down my spine when I heard that. Because it finally hit me and it dawned on me and the light bulb went off. Ding! Money registered. Cha-ching. <laughs> Fantasy football gold being struck. When are we going to have that conversation that 
Cam Newton is going to finish in the QB1 territory. And to be a QB1, you have to finish between 1 to 12. When are we going to have that conversation? Hmm. I'll wait. <laughs> it's like Cat Williams. Don't worry. I'll wait. <laughs> when are we going to have that conversation? We're going to have it now. Look, this man has a full offseason under his belt. We can't just dismiss that he was the last quarterback that was signed to join a roster. Jameis Winston got signed before him. Andy Dalton got signed before him. Just to name a few. He came into the New England Patriots learning a complex system that is not easy. In a do-your-job environment where there's no excuses. So, it doesn't matter if you're far behind. It doesn't matter if you didn't have a whole offseason. You're a franchise quarterback. Not anymore. But you're a franchise quarterback this year. <laughs> That's supposed to take us to a promised land. And I said it before. I think Bill Belichick hates losing more than he loves winning. And you get a winner. Until last year. When... The Patriots were some just some mid, if we're being honest. The Patriots were some pure mid. And Cam had a lot to do with it. So this is not me changing your perspective and saying, well, dismiss everything that you've seen in the past. No, 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 no. Take everything you've seen in the past into account of what I'm saying right now. At last year, not only did he have to come into a situation where he is behind the eight ball, Catching up, he has to learn new teammates. He has to also play for incentives because his contract was so incentive laced that we saw it at first. It was like, man, he getting like fourteen million for a year. Hey, finesse about time Cam got signed. I remember when he got signed, I was just so happy for him going to New England. Until so I really looked at the contract, I'm just like, dang, bro, it, he has to hit a lot of markers to reach that. And then on top of that, he got COVID. He got COVID. COVID. Like, bro. It's classic case of give me a break. <laughs> Please give me a break. And he didn't get one last year. Because as the franchise quarterback for this year, not overall, you did not play Nowhere close to being a, uh, at a standard. The Patriot way. But everything I just said to you would make you think, well, dang, New England, they got to get rid of him next year. Not only did they do the opposite of what I just said, but they drafted a quarterback knowing that they have a dog on their roster that is going to compete with that rookie quarterback who people assume that Mac Jones is just going to be the starter in training camp. He's going to win the job over. And then a couple of weeks ago during OTAs, they're practicing in the rain. We see Cam Newton throwing the ball over his receiver's head. Meanwhile, Mac Jones is putting it on point. That doesn't tell you this whole story. It's the same situation like Tua. 
Are we here torrential downpour in practice and he's throwing five interceptions at practice? This man throwing eight interceptions in a practice. He's talking about practice? This man threw 100 interceptions in a practice. You talking about practice? Practice? Not a game. Dude threw 1,000 interceptions. I'm just playing. <laughs> Let me chill. Dude threw 3,000 interceptions. <laughs> That's what the public reacted like when they heard this news. Dang, two or through five thousand interceptions at practice. <laughs> I say all of that to say you would think that the New England Patriots would not bring him back, but they chose to bring him back. So Cam has another year under his belt in the system. He's working with new he's working with the same guys again, adding new talent. And when I sat there and thought about it, I said, wow, he's fully healthy. He like, like for real, for real, he, he's fully healthy. That alone in itself is a gem and something that is like light bulb going off. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, Moon, this can't be right. This can't be right. Like, it, it, this doesn't make sense, right? And I have to, like, say to myself, you know, like, it has to be some type of, you know, conspiracy or <laughs> it has to be something going on that's not telling the full story. Like, what am I missing, especially this year? We talk about the quarterback positions that let's, let's just name some of the quarterbacks that's getting drafted ahead of this guy who is currently Cam. Dang, hold on. I know I'm not looking at this right. This has to be wrong. This has to be wrong. No, 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 no. This is right. Cam Newton is not even being drafted as far as ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. This man is not even getting drafted. Taysom Hill, Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Tagovailoa, I throw 30,000 picks in a, in a practice. Jameis Winston, IEW, Justin Fields, new man on the block in Chicago, Trey Lance, new kid on the block in San Francisco, Carson Wentz, new team, underrated, my, my comeback player of the year, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, even Deshaun Watson who got a legal situation. Deshaun Watson who got a legal situation. It's going on. I can't do it. Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, maybe face Trev. I signed Tim Tebow on our roster so we could take all the pressure off of Trev. Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, Goat Rogers, Russell, Sierra, Husband, Wilson, R Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Dak, 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 <laughs> Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Patrick. This man is not even getting drafted. Well, Moon, that's just in overall. What about in what about in twelve team formats? No shoot, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> that's what I'm looking at right now. Shoot, what about fourteen? He ain't even going in fourteen formats, bro. He's not. So it started making me think. Well. When are we going to have that discussion on Cam Newton finishing in QB1 territory? I know it's hard to believe. I know. I get it. I'm going to do 
an episode sometime in the near future about QB2s that have a chance to finish his QB1s. And Jalen Hurts is not going to be on that. <laughs> I can tell you that. Going to talk about QB3s that have a chance to hit QB2 territory. And we're going to go down to positions. So I might talk about this topic a little bit more, but this real talk is a little bit longer than usual because I'm really baffled that this man is not even getting picked up. In fact, he's on the waiver wire. Waiver wire. In fact, in two quarterback leagues is when I see him getting picked up the most. But in one quarterback, nah. Everybody's like, you know, Cam Smith. <laughs> I'm not trying to hear that. I get it. I get it. But what if I could change your perspective by telling you this? The last time Cam Newton was healthy. So let's go back to what? 2015. This man had 3,837 yards, 35 touchdowns, a seven point. That's right. Seven one seven point one touchdown seven point one percent touchdown percentage. Only ten interceptions. And yes, he got sacked thirty-three times. But he had a ninety-nine point four QB rating. Which is is by far his highest season of his career. The only one close was twenty eighteen where he had ninety four point two QB rate. Oh, oh! How how could I be so oblivious? How how? You know that 2015 season, he had 636 yards and 10 touchdowns as well. Hmm. So I said, you know what? It can't be. Nah, it can't be. You tripping, moon? <laughs> Nah, 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 nah. You're not about to sit here and tell me that Cam is going to finish as QB, QB in the top, top 12. There's no way, right? There's no way. I'm about to turn this podcast off. I get it. But it's my job to make you shift your perspective. That year, Cam Newton finishes QB number one. And it wasn't even close. The next closest was Tom Brady, who had 410 points. Want to know how much Cam Newton had? 447 points that year. PPR formats. When are we going to talk about him actually being fantasy relevant and actually might be good this year? When are we going to talk about it? I guess we just talked about it now. <laughs> I'm going to go out and jump on this wave now. And I guess it's going to be one of the bolder takes that I take this year. But Cam Newton is going to finish as a top 12 quarterback this year. QB1. Book it. Because how can you be high on Jonu without being high on Cam? How can you be high on Hunter Henry without being high on Cam? How can you be on a high on, on the Patriots offense without being high on Cam? You could be high on Mac Jones, but you still kind of got to be high on Cam because the better that Mac Jones play, well, technically the better that Cam is going to play because he's a dog. <laughs> Cam is a dog. 
then that's not even mention to kill Harry, who's not there no more. So that means that Je he's not going to be there anymore. So that means that Jacoby Myers, who is going to be coming up a little bit later in the show, he's probably going to be the wide receiver number one next year. Him and Nelson Aguilar. And he's going as an ADP of wide receiver in the 60s. The 60s. <laughs> a number one possible wide receiver is going as a wide receiver 60-ish. That's crazy. And the offense that people are looking at, like, it's the Patriots. We can't really trust anybody. Don't even get me started on Damian Harris and the fact that he's in, in the late 30s in the running backs as far as average draft position. And he's just screaming value, ready for you to just pluck up at any given time. If Cam Newton is a waiver wire pick and you see him on your waiver wires, I get the I, I get the reservation. You might I'm not gonna draft him. I'm especially not gonna draft him high. I'm in a one quarterback league. <laughs> I'm not gonna draft him. All right, cool. Pick him up on your waiver wire though, <laughs> cause you never know. Moon just might be right. I ain't gonna draft him high. Well, shoot, use his late round pick on him, cause you never know. Moon vibes just might be right. But I don't know nothing. I'm just an analyst. I'm not an expert. <laughs> For this version of Real Talk, sponsored by Real Ones Productions, this is Fantasy Vibes. Coming up next in the show, we have a segment that I'm really enjoying more and more because I get a chance to like break down some uh picks for you and um not only when i say picks i mean picks from the carousel of coach speak and owner speak and daily <laughs> daily controversy that comes from beat writers that we have to decipher and say is this fact or is this fiction yep it's that time you tune in to Fantasy Spies Factor Fiction, and on today's episode, it's kind of a light news cycle because we recovered a lot of it on the last episode, but we got a couple that's coming in right now. So let's go to the news, courtesy of Fantasy Pros, and no, they're not sponsoring this show, nor any of that, but they are one of my sources that I use to keep up to date with all things fantasy. Last episode, we talked about Allen Robinson. We talked about Chris Godwin and their contract talks. We talked about Saquon Barkley being noncommittal. And also, some more things. However, it's time to talk about some things that are also impacted. Like Paris Campbell. One of the late round, beautiful, value picks that I'm loving more and more. Every single time I get in a mock draft and every time I get a chance to draft him, he's being deemed as a breakout candidate for the coast this year because Coach Frank Wright apparently has big plans for him. Now, I know Campbell's been in the league for two years now, and it's been derailed by injuries twice. Not once, twice. Especially coming out of Ohio State, we had high expectations about him. This is year three, and magic things happen in year three. Did you know that in one full game he played last season, Paris Campbell commanded nine targets 
was turned into six receptions for 71 yards, and it was just a, it was that game that we was looking for. You remember when I told you last episode? I told you last episode that uh, once you see that flash, pick him up. But what we didn't know is that he was going to be hurt very, 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 very soon. T.Y. Hilton is at 31 years old now, so the wide receiver one position in Indy is kind of up for grabs, and it's between Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Kind of see who I'm seeing that's going to be the two guys. Those are the realistic threats to really take over that job from T.Y. Hilton, who I would rather use in the slot. Now, I understand Michael Pittman had, uh, you could call it, uh, I call it decent, and decent is not a, a knock, and it's actually pretty good um, year last year. But Pittman, he dealt with his own fair share of injuries, too. And I understand that Pittman might have the edge because he played more. And then I understand he might have the draft capital. I understand that he might have the size. But he does not have Paris Campbell's speed. And he does not have his explosiveness. And he does not have his big playability. I understand that. I understand that Michael Pittman did have his fair share of big plays where yards at the catch was there. It's perfect for you. Like... Being clutch, being physical as a wide receiver that you want to hope for, it's just there for you. But Paris Campbell ran a 4-3-1-40 in the 2019 draft. And he dropped to the second round. Just waiting to be picked up. Now, I understand that the week one of the season, he's going to have a new quarterback on his hands, and that is Carson Wentz. Well, Moon Vibes, we're not going to trust Carson Wentz this year. Hey, listen, all Carson Wentz has to do is not mess things up. That's all he has to do, not mess things up. Anything that he can give us over that is just a bonus. <laughs> because Phillip Rivers was like, <laughs> every time I think of Phillip Rivers, I think of the game against Baltimore where he got jumped over after he threw that. <laughs> Never mind. We get into that. Shout out to Phillip Paris Campbell is wide receiver 66 right now. T.Y. Hilton is going as wide receiver 52. And Paris and Michael Pittman is going as wide receiver 48. That is crazy. Crazy. Especially, especially when I saw a stat earlier that really blew my mind. And I'm going to share it with you a little bit later in the show. But all of these receivers are at a discount right now because for some strange reasons, people don't really want to put respect on the Indianapolis Colts offense. And I think they only have one player on their roster who is really getting the respect as someone that can finish in the top 100 in fantasy this year. And that person is Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> If you want to sprinkle in Naheem Hines, I guess. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? I guess. Marlon Mack, I guess. But talk about outperforming your ADP. And we talked about average draft position and how it's unreliable and how it's, it, it's shaky sometimes. Because your value and the draft position that somebody is taking at, like, sometimes it doesn't add up. This is the classic case because Paris Campbell, the question becomes fact or fiction, Moon. Is Paris Campbell the Colts breakout candidate? And do I believe that Frank White, Frank Wright has big plans for him this offseason? 
Hell yeah. I believe that. Coming up next, we talk about someone who I mentioned earlier, but <laughs> it's not getting a lot of love either in fantasy. According to Patriots beat writer Tom Curran, he said, I'll put my, I'd still put my cash on Jacoby Myers being the most reliable and most productive Patriots wide out in 2021 through NBC Sports. Now I understand Jacoby Myers, he led the passing game last season. Jalen to Jalen, shout out to him. He was big on Jacoby Myers last year. Like, extremely high on Jacoby Myers last year. He was talking about Jacoby Myers was the best wide receiver in the AFC. <laughs> yes, that's crazy when you think about Stephon Diggs and what he did last year. <laughs> Can't wait to have Jalen and Jalen slam. But he finished the season with 729 yards on 59 catches. And we got we always talk about negative regression, but when are we going to talk about positive regression? Because that's the same case that we're talking about with Cam. Cam has no choice but to be more positive this year than he was last year because of just positive regression. And I understand touchdowns because he hasn't scored a single touchdown in his career. Besides that pass he threw to the guy that we just touched Cam Newton, <laughs> which is crazy. Julian Element is not there anymore. Retired. So that's going to free up targets. And since the guy, Tom Curran, is plugged in in New England, I'm not saying that you can go and cash this in 100%, but I will say that I do believe this 90%. And even if Mac Jones wins a starting job for the Patriots, Jacoby. I think he can be a wide receiver number three, so he's finishing in that 25 to 36 range. That alone is bargain and value, especially when you think about him going in the 60s, wide receiver 60-ish. That's insane value. Please pick up Jacoby Myers in your leagues. And if you don't have the faith or guts to do so, stash him and cash in on the waiver wire. Fact or fiction, Jacoby expected to be the most pay, to be the Patriots' most productive wide receiver. It's a fact. Coming up next, uh, injury from a running back that is not Saquon Barkley. <laughs> is not anyone that you probably can think of. I'm talking about the one and only Tariq Cohen. <laughs> Three coins towards ACL during week three of the season. And that was crazy because it was a week after he just signed his three-year extension. But the beautiful thing about Tariq is that he was present during OTAs and minicamp, but he did not participate. We all know that his pass-catching ability is ridiculous. And a word that I would use is just mesmerizing, electrifying. Sensational, as Future would say. But if at any in any way Tariq Cohen is not all the way full tilt as we get into training camp, that just makes me love David Montgomery even more. Because not only is he going to get the snap percentage that you hope for, 
she's gonna get them targets too. Yeah. I understand. Tariq has a couple of months to get right fully. And it hasn't been a, a full year removed from his ACL yet. And I can understand how the Bears will be non-committal, similar to the Giants as with Saquon, where you're not about to commit knowing that we got two months until we get to the season. Full. Really a less than a month before we get to training camp. But time is ticking. And so is Tariq Cohen's time in the in the backfield as the star guy because David Montgomery clearly took that over last year. Clearly took that over. Do I believe that Tariq Cohen will be ready for week one of the NBA NFL season? Fiction. I say he doesn't. He's not ready by week one. And I'll even go a step further and say that he doesn't play meaningful snaps for the Bears until probably week two, maybe three, because they're going to bring him along slowly. Now, I could be totally wrong, and he's out there for training camp, but I would literally be shocked if he's out there for training camp, like going full tilt, Full pads, ready to go, full speed, catching the ball, cutting, all that type of stuff. But the way technology works and everything in, the, in, the, in this league, ACL injuries is nowhere near as bad or career-threatening as they once were. It's not like he is Joe Dodgman. So, or Alex Smith, for example. So that's what's going on right now. And... That is Factor Fiction, presented to you by good people at Fantasy Bros, where I get one of my sources. Stay up to date with everything fantasy news. You already know what time it is. I ain't going to take a lot of time at all. It's time for Mailbag. The mom's mailbag. Let's hop into our bag and let's see what's going on today. Now, the Twitter sphere is full of a lot of gems and you see a lot of content on there. It's really crazy. But one of the most intriguing things that I saw this week, today actually, was by Context Matters, Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. If you hear this, Dwayne McFarlane, I mean, you got 16K followers. <laughs> you work for PFF Fantasy. Look, hey, much love and much respect to you because you really said how I felt, but just broke it down with numbers. Now, let's talk about it. Coming up first in the mailbag, this is a Cam Akers utilization thread that I have to share with you just because not only am I going to give him credit, but... It, it it really made a lot of sense. Because you know that over the last four games, and he missed week 16, M. Akers saw his snap rate jump from 19% to 67%. He completely took over the ground game with 75% of rushing attempts, including 88% of snaps inside of the five. What do those numbers mean, Moon? Snap rate, the number of percentages he's on the field playing snaps as the running back. 
It jumped from 19% barely being used to 67%. Okay, you're in a you're you're if you if you at that 70 mark it's like holy crap, like you're getting a lot, especially in a running back committee league that we're in right now and that we're going to head into way more this season because let's just face it, coaches are going to try to preserve their running backs for deeper into the season, so we might see more running back by the committee. But I'll get to that point in a second. He took over eight, 75% of the rushing tips, including 88% snaps inside of the five, which means that he's getting the goal line work, meaning that he can pass the potential to cash in on that goal line work. Context Matters goes in to say he also saw his routes per game jump from 10% to 49%. Big jump up in routes per game. His... And he topped a 10% target share in three of the four contests. So that means that he's being targeted at the time by Jared Goff. However, he remained off the field and long, dis- long down distance LDD with only 32% of the snaps and played 0% of two-minute snaps. So at the end of the game, when everything's on the line, but two minutes left to go or fewer, he's not on the field. He didn't play zero. He played zero of those two-minute snaps. That's not encouraging at all. Then with only 32% of the long, the long distance down and distance steps, which means that it's third and 10 or, or more, he's not on the field. Michael Brown dominated in those roles with 71% and 100% of the two-minute snaps and 71% of the long down distance snaps. Side note, Michael Brown... In this whole situation with uh, Miles Gaskin, I know people are trying to diminish uh, Malcolm Brown and, you know, his impact, but I'm kind of worried that Miles Gaskin is going to have some of his workload eaten into by that guy that I just mentioned. But then we talk about the guy that was behind him, Daryl Henderson, and Daryl Henderson was not a factor in his roles down the stretch with less than 4% long down distance and 0% of two-minute snaps. So in layman's terms, he was not used either. In two-minute, just like Cam was, and he was used way less in long down distance. Those snaps went to Malcolm Brown. Then when we got to the playoffs, Henderson missed both of these games, so it's not like they had a running back by committee in those games. They had to rely on Cam Akers even more. And he wasn't the issue, Henderson that was. It was actually Brown. Because in those two playoff games, Cam Akers was given the keys, taking 100% of the two-minute snaps for the first time really all year. He also picked up 55% of the long-distance down work as Brown was shown the backseat as the backseat driver. So far through OTAs and minicamps, the primary focus has been on Akers' pass blocking. He has been spending extra time with Thomas Brown between drills. Sean McVay came out and said, the biggest thing is that he's got a great natural run instincts. He's really talented as a, pa- as a pass catcher. It's the nuanced understanding of where you fit in and some of the protections where the back's involved. And I think for Akers, it's about to become more and more complete. He's got the skill set. He's capable. We really feel that way, the same way about Daryl Henderson as well. Under Coach Brown's leadership and guidance, I expect to grow, that group to really grow. 
context matters proceeds to say we can never be 100% sure of these things but I believe that all of these data points lead to acres as an every down back this season I do think Henderson siphons 25% of the carries and may get some of the passing down work but more as a change of pace back with a specific role how does that make you feel it makes me feel like I'm avoiding Cam Akers even more after hearing that. <laughs> I get he's talented and I get he's dynamic. All of those is true. But is he going to see 29 carries a game like what his like like his projections was making it seem? No. I'm I can be confident in saying no. Just like I mentioned to you before, the season is expanding to 17 games, so you have to be crazy not to think that the coaches are going to be able to use two running backs, at least two running backs. At least <laughs> two running backs. And if you think about it from, which is my job is to help you think, if you think about it from Sean McVay's perspective, if they're going to the Super Bowl and they're all in on Matt Stafford, which they traded picks away, because they was all in on Matt Stafford by Jared Goff. If they're really going on this deep playoff run and they're trying to win games, meaningful games in the playoffs, be trying to be the second team in the last two years to play in their home stadium at the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is in Los Angeles this year, wouldn't that mean that he has to keep both his running backs fresh, Akers, and Henderson. I'm not going to make the mistake to think that Daryl Henderson is not going to be involved in this offense. And he's not going to help take some of the pressure off. Which makes me feel like Cam Akers is going as running back eight according to underdog fantasy last time I checked. And that's very, 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 very risky. Now, if I tell you that he's going in the second round as a as a or or as an RB2, I should say, in that 12 to 24 range, then, hey, sign me up. I love it. Absolutely love it. He has upside for sure. I'm not talking about his talent. But I, I have a hard time, just like I see a lot of people, but I, I have a really tough time placing can, uh, can makers within my top 10 because if he gets drafted around that range, I'm going to be shaking in my boots and I'm not going to be drafting him in that range. In fact, he's a player that I'm not even touching in that range. Early running backs, especially when you look at the, the sample size, like <laughs> it 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 just doesn't it, and then something that I didn't even think about until now, but that's not even included in the way Robert U was is being used in the offense as a as a runner. Because you have to account for that too. Because that's important. Because Sean McVay is very creative as a play caller. Extremely creative. And I think he relies on play action a lot. Which is gonna help Matt Stafford. Gonna help Cooper Cup. Don't have the receiving core. Don't even help that offensive line. But at the end of the day, I am not going to be at a place 
where I'm drafting Cam Akers in a situation like this in that first round in a top 12 and maybe even top 10 running backs. Is he just outside of that? Yes. But I feel the same way about Antonio Gibson. In fact, I'm higher on Miles Sanders than I am on all of these other guys out there, like Clyde Ellis-Hilaire, for example, or, or, or Josh Jacobs, for example. Even, even guys like that, that are like Nick Chubb. Now, Austin Eckler, I'm high on. PPR scoring, I'm not really a Nick Chubb fan. But let me, let me break down the stack to you. I'm going to give you the weekly percentage of a team's backfield touches for all of their backs that average a weekly touch share of at least 33%. Minimum of 10 games last year. What does that mean? About to tell you which teams use their backs with a touch share, so they're getting touches at least 33%. And they had to play 10 games. A minimum of 10 games. I don't know who's all the way kind of like, I don't want to say at the bottom bottom, but like on the second page of this stat sheet. Cam makers. Week one, 38.5%. Week two, 10.7%. Week three and four, inactive. Week five, 25%. Six, seven, inactive. Week eight, 32. Week 10, 38.5, 11, 30%. Week 12, 37.5. Then you get to week 13. Uh-oh. 71%. If I'm not mistaken, something notable happened in week 13. What happened in week 13? Hmm, moon. Let me look. <laughs> what happened in week 13? Because if that's what I'm thinking happened, that was the Rams versus the uh, Cardinals game. And, um, yeah, I remember that game. Rams versus Cardinals. And then the week after, he got 93.9% of the carries. And why is that game significant, Mom? Well, if you look at the schedule, um, and the 2020 schedule, that is. I'm not talking about 2021. Talking about 2020. It is the game, if I'm not mistaken, where they took on the New England Patriots on Thursday Night Football. And everybody freaking fell in love. Let me make sure. Let me fact check just so I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not tripping. What's this week 14? Yup, Patriots versus Rams. December the 11th, 2020 is when he got a 90. Yes, you heard that correct. 93.9%. Next week, 80%. Week 17, 86.2. But overall, for the course of the season, he had a 49.4 average weekly running back share. You want to know somebody that's in that same territory? DeAndre Swift, who I'm fading. Another person that's in that same territory, Antonio Gibson, who I'm fading. 
that are getting drafted in that top 12 positions right now, according to ADP, which they're telling you to go for, but it just doesn't make sense. I could talk about Antonio Gibson, which I will talk about, but he didn't really have anything that really made me really confident in him over the course of the year besides maybe earlier in the season. And maybe week 17. I know there's this game against Dallas that he went crazy. Um, I think that was on Thanksgiving. Had himself a field day. But we're seeing flashes. And actually, if I'm being honest, Swift probably had, as the season went on, his snap percentages went higher. And he didn't have any games. But there's no reason why Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, let's just be honest, let's call a spade a spade, are going higher than this guy that I'm about to talk about right now. Miles Sanders, week two, 76.7%. Week three, 78.6%. Week four, 71.4%. Week five, 92.9%. Week six, 71.4%. Then you got to skip all the way to weeks 10, and he had 77.3%. Week 11, 70%. Week 12, 50%. Week 13, 62.5%. Week 14, 81.8%. Week 15, 94.7%. And then rounded out 70%, 79.2% in week 16. He had a 75% average weekly running back share meaning that he's getting the snaps out of the backfield that percentage of the time. So in week two, he, had, he got the percentage of the snaps 76.7% of the time. Do you know? That's like right up there. Only other guys that's in front of him is Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, James Robinson, and the next guy that I'm about to talk about. David Montgomery, who's going after all of them. <laughs> you know, David Montgomery, and I kid you not. He has eight weeks this past season where he had 100% of the average weekly running back share. I mean, of the, of the running back share. He had 100% of the weekly running back share. There's eight weeks Throughout the season, out of 16, they had a hundo. They had a hundo. In fact, he finished the highest at 90.9%. But yeah, he's going lower than all of these running backs that we're talking about. At some point, this average draft position does not make sense. And at some point, we got to ask ourselves, are we being real with everything that we're talking about when it comes to these running backs? And are we just going based off of a small sample size that we got? And are we projecting too vastly? Without weighing all the options, I'm higher on Daryl Henderson this year than most. I'm lower on Cam Akers just because of ADP, average draft position. I just don't think it lines up with the value and the risk that I'm getting. So I am fading, like fading Cam Akers this year. And it's nothing personal. It's really not. I have nothing personal, but it's just common sense. And I said it on my last episode, walk like a duck, quack like a duck, got feathers like a duck is not no squirrel. <laughs> and in this situation, if it's walking like it's not being used like, like that until, and we only see 
performances and fashions. I'm gonna go with a guy that is getting consistent, consistent. I rather I would feel more comfortable taking David Montgomery next year than I would feel and then taking Cam Akers. I would not be able to sleep if I took Cam Akers in the first round, like over guys that are doing more with their with their uh production or their volume or their opportunity, I should say. But that's my note and um shout out to um TJ Hernandez on Twitter for Big body stats and also shout out to the guy as well who helped with us bringing us bringing this into fruition uh, for this topic. That is the fantasy football mailbag question one, question two, which is kind of I'm gonna get into, but I'm 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 just gonna say this to pick your brain. Which wide receiver will have the better 2021 fantasy season in PPR leagues? Robbie Anderson, Russell Gage, or Tyler Lockett? This is an interesting question that I answered with questions because that's what I feel when it comes to this topic. Like, it's question marks about all of them. Robbie Anderson's ADP right now, last time I checked, was like in the mid-30s, 34-ish, I think. Russell Gage is further, way further down. Tyler Lockett is in the in 20s range, but Tyler Lockett is more boomer bust than I ever can imagine. If I'm being honest, I'm fading Tyler Lockett this year. And I'm not feeling bad about it either. Because who knows what Russ does this year. That's no shade to Russ because he very well could cook. But last year, he had the, he broke the franchise record for most passing touchdowns in a single season. And Tyler Lockett lit it up because he capitalized and maximized on those touchdowns. But if we being honest and keeping it a whole buck, like we should and always do. If I have to pick a running back, I mean a, a wide receiver out of the ones that I just named, I'm not picking Tyler Lockett. And the reason why, because you can look at his 2020 stats and you're just like blown away by them. But you have to look deeper than the surface, and that's my job to make you look deeper than the surface because he had 1,054 yards last year and 10 touchdowns. But if you look at it, most of his production came in only three games last year, which is very, 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 very concerning. Especially if you're playing in redraft leagues all around the world going in. Because in reality, Tyler Lockett could hurt your fantasy lineup just as much as he can boom it and blow it out the roof. I'm not drafting him in that wide receiver two range. I'm drafting him in a wide receiver three range. So we're talking about 25 through 36. Does he finish there? I could be totally wrong. But when you look at potential ranges of outcomes, it's definitely a possibility. But if I'm sitting here going into every week relying on Tyler Lockett as a number two wide receiver in my lineup, 
I am going to be biting and sweating and hoping that he cashes in. But a lot of times, he's not. When you look at his production coming in, that's such a short time span with three games. So I'm going to fade. And if I had to give an answer, I don't want to trust Robbie because my question with Tyler Lockett is, is he getting 100 receptions, 110 yard targets? when he has a new head office coordinator and we don't know if Russell Wilson is going to be free to cook like he was in, in last year at the beginning of the year before he fizzled out. Why did he fizzled out? Because office coordinator, he ran all his good plays at the beginning of the year. Does Robbie Anderson have top, have a top 20 target season when Christian McCaffrey is coming back? So, you know, the office is going to run through him. At least we figure and we hope that it is because you have a stud running back who is putting up quarterback one numbers <laughs> like as a running back. That's crazy. Why? They would be crazy not to feed him the ball. So it makes me think, well, Russell Gage. But is Russell Gage going to start more than eight games? I would think so. Is he going to have more than 109 targets? Huh? Don't know. But hey, he, he could. Who knows? He has a new office coordinator as well. Can't forget that because Arthur Smith is not a head coach, so he's going to be calling the plays. Not going to. I got to add that into there because you got to look at both sides. Is he going to get 79 receptions like he did last year? If I had to say my gut feeling... They got to throw the ball somewhere. And it's not like I'm trusting Eliminate Zacchaeus or Tajay Sharp or any of the receivers that's underneath to him on a depth chart to really compete with targets for him. And I think that the Falcons run a lot of 12 personnel this year with Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts on the field at the same time. And they're going to be using Calvin Ridley and uh, Russell Gage as well as their running backs, including Mike Davis. Javion Hawkins and Quadre Quadre Austin. So it makes you think, and I propose all of these questions because it it simply just makes you think. So on this fantasy mailbag from Moe's mailbag, give me Russell Gage, especially as average draft position, because that's going to be the deciding factor. Am I taking Tyler Lockett at where he's at? Am I taking Robbie at where he's at? I think Robbie is good value especially in that 30-ish range. But Russell Russell Gage, let me take a look just to make sure because last time I checked, he was there, and I have to make sure he's still there. And it's it's a long list. It's a very long list, and I, I would just go ahead and say this. The wide receiver position this year is very deep. But Tyler Lockett's average job position is wide receiver in wide receiver two range, number 24, going in the sixth round. So really, if I had the choice to pick some of the wide receivers in that range, if I'm taking Brandon Ayuk, Jamar Chase, Kyle Lockett, DJ Moore, <laughs> Deontay Johnson maybe, Kenny Galladay. I'm not really sold on Kenny Galladay this year either just because Daniel Jones is just that risky. Odell Beckham, if I had to choose between those, bro, give me Brandon Ayuk. Give me Odell. I'm not really the biggest on Jamar Chase, but, like, 
I need explosiveness in that range. I need big play capability. I need volume. So I would be tempted to take Jamar, Brandon Ayuk, and Odell Beckham at that range faster than I was to take Tyler Lockett. Then you scroll down some more, and then you're like, well, Robbie Anderson is in this range where where his ADP is at wide receiver 35, and you look at wide receiver number 36 and 37, Jerry Judy out there this offseason looking like he is running, is just taking on to a whole nother level. So if I had to choose between Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Juju, Robbie Anderson, I would be slick tempted to take Juju. I would be tempted, tempted to take Tyler Boyd first over all of them because I understand why he's at 36. Like he 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 ran the most slot snaps out of anybody in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So I would pick Tyler Boyd over all of them. But Robbie Anderson is in that range. It's just like, eh, should be a little bit lower. And I scroll all way over here. <laughs> Going at wide receiver 57 behind Darnell Mooney. And Miko Hartman, who I was just talking about in the last episode. You know what's crazy? They have they have Michael Gallup. So I'm not really throwing no shade at, but they got Michael Gallup. Cole Beasley. Marvin Jones is in that same kind of category. If we're being honest, you will be in a choice between Darnell Mooney, Marvin Jones, and Russell Gage. Who am I taking? I'm taking Russell Gage, and I'm going away with it happy. And I love Darnell Mooney's upside. I really do. But at the end of the day, my mama, my grandma used to always say, if a wall like a duck, I quack, quack like a duck, I feathers like a duck, and it waddles, no jailing, <laughs> like a duck. It's not no squirrel. And if it's looking like great value at 57, it's talking like great value, and it's... It's walking like it's great value, and I'm looking at the offense, and I'm like, dang, like, Matt Ryan already has a good relationship with this dude, and I'm looking at the Falcons' offense and the potential, but I'm also factoring in the downside that, like, Calvin Ridley could finish his, like, wide receiver number one this year, possibly, but dang, it makes me think, but the reason why I pick him and the reason why... I I go with him unapologetically is for this simple stat. And let me find it because this is probably going to blow you away. It's going to blow you away. And I couldn't really believe it when I first heard it, but it's it's talking about how each quarterback's wide receiver groups have finished in half PPR points. PPR is points per reception, fantasy scoring over the last five seasons. And the quarterback had to have a minimum of 300 passing attempts. In layman's terms, it's, it's taking the quarterback's wide receiver group and it's talking about where their wide receiver group finished in every season for over the last five seasons. Guess who's number one? Just take a whole guess. This this one finished 2016. His wide receiver group finished as a cumulative rating, an average team wide receiver rank of number three. 2017, it was number four. 2018, it was number two. 2019, it was number two. 2020, it was number three. 
with an average team wide receiver rank and half PPR of 2.8. Who am I talking about? No, it's not Jameis Winston, who's number three on this list. And no, it's not Ben Roethlisberger, who's number two on this list. It's not even Jared Goff, who is number four on this list. You think it's crazy because Teddy Bridgewater is like number six or seven. I'm talking about Matt Ryan is number one on this list. You want me to read the stats again? Average team wide receiver ranking half PPR over the last five seasons. 2016, ranked number three. They're a whole wide receiver group as a whole. And cumulative, cumulative points, 2017, four. 2018, two. 2019, two. 2023. So I'm looking into this year. Then I'm looking at Matt Ryan, his stats from last year, which were kind of unbelievable. It makes me think that Russell Gage going at in the six, in close to the 60s, 57 to be exact, it might as well be the 60s. It's like bargain, bargain, bargain. And that is going to be the reason why I take Russell Gage over the rest of those guys. And it's nothing personal. <laughs> It's nothing personal at all. For this edition of Fantasy Moon's Mailbag, you had to get in our bag real quick to give you some insight on everything going on in the news and in these Twitter streets. And shout out to the accounts that um, I used to help with this episode. You're greatly appreciated. Because stats, we can use them in any type of way that we want to. Let's just be honest. But it matters more to me how we're interpreting those stats. What are we taking away from those stats? So with this episode winding down, it makes me get to a point where I say um, it's a stat of the day. Stat of the day that we need to talk about. And this is coming from... This dude, if you happen to listen to this podcast, dude, like you're really goaded. I just, I really just need you to know. Um, saw a stat from his account that was just so freaking crazy. He said only five running backs have had at least 10 games with 70% or more of their team's backfield touches in 2020. Only five. Number five, Miles Sanders. Four, Alvin Cook. Three, Derrick Henry. Two, James Robinson, <laughs> who's another running back that seems to like just fall off the face of the earth. So just as fast as he popped off, as fast as just as much as he's falling off the face of the earth in fantasy. But guess who number one is? If you paid attention early in the episode, I talked about this. The one and only David Montgomery. At this point, if I can get David Montgomery in round three or four, <laughs> I am running to the bank, ready to ready to cash it in, feeling so good about my fantasy football season. The goal of the show is to help you not only win your fantasy championship, but help you look at fantasy football differently. Help you look at this differently because it's not the same as regular watching the NFL. It's not the same. Yes, I understand this is a game, but there's a game within the game that we have to understand. And if we want to win this game and we want to do a great job at not only cashing in on some daily fantasy and also cashing in on the big bucks, we got to pay attention to not only what is the truth, but what is the whole truth. 
And hopefully you took something of value away from this show and for this episode. For this episode, I had to be unapologetic and stand on some hills, especially that Cam Newton hill. But I will really, really see how that plays out later on in the year. So let's fast forward and go all the way up to January, February. See how it plays out. I wish we could. We're just going to have to wait and see. For another Fantasy Vibes episode number two in the books. I send you off into your night, your morning, your evening, your afternoon, wherever you listen to this. And I tell you, if you love this podcast, you love the vibes that you get from it, love the insight, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you are. Make sure you leave a comment, leave a review. It's greatly appreciated and it goes a long way. I promise you it goes a long way. And for your host, Moon Vibes. I tell you like I always tell you, make sure you stay wavy. Hey, Craig, the episode is over, bro. You can leave. <laughs> you can leave, my guy. It's, it's, it's over. Just like just like my me drafting Cam Akers in fantasy in, in the first round. It's over. <laughs>